Welcome to the Unwritten Life Podcast, where we share that your deepest pain can lead to your biggest gain, and that your story is still unwritten. Now introducing your host, Tim Sawhook. Welcome to the show today, everybody. I'm so excited to have you here for another episode of the Unwritten Life Podcast. Again, my name is Tim Sawhook, and I'm really excited to have you here with me today. We have a great interview for you, and before we get into that, though, we have a little housekeeping to talk about. Uh, a few weeks back when we launched the first episode of the podcast on our Facebook page, we had talked about if you leave a written review, then you're entered automatically into a drawing to win a $25 gift card. So I let it build for a couple weeks, giving people opportunities to listen to the podcast, and again, to go ahead and leave a review. And we have a winner. So I'm excited to announce that our first winner for our first giveaway, as you heard me say, first, because we're going to have multiple other giveaways. Her name is Val Jameson. She has won a $25 gift card of her choice, and I will get a hold of her. But her review that she left, she left a five-star review. So thank you very much, Val. I appreciate that. Um, She said it's a must-listen and share. What she said was, Eye-opening and inspiring. It's so brave of Tim to share his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly that many people would not talk about. I hope he continues to share for self-healing and to help others know they are not alone and that there is hope. I couldn't have said it any better, and I really appreciate the kind words, and I'm hoping to get more reviews from other guests that have been on the podcast so we can share about them as well. So thank you, Val, for leaving the review. It does mean a lot, and it does give a chance for other people to see the podcast. So I will be contacting you, Val, or maybe you're listening to this episode now, and you know that you are the winner. So congratulations. Very excited for you. Um, And to preview some other things we have coming up, um, we're going to be recording, when I say we, me and one other person, we're going to be recording some bonus episodes. And you may think, what are those bonus episodes about? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, Not everybody has a chance to come on the podcast, share a story, and maybe they don't feel like they have a big, inspiring story, and that's okay. But what we're going to do is I think some people are trying to tap into what is my unwritten life. I feel like I'm right here in this middle spot, Um, don't have a lot of passion what's going on, but I really want to get to that next step. I want to have an unwritten life. What is next for me? Well, we're going to have a segment called Ask the Coach. I have a great friend and a business leader life coach, who I'm going to have you guys submit some questions, and we're going to answer those on the show, and also give some other tips and things about how to achieve that unwritten life status. What are you really searching for? What's the next step in your life? So I think that's really going to be exciting. It's going to be a little different than a normal episode. Um, We're going to have somebody else on, which is nice, except for me just being in the basement by myself, so I'm really excited about that as well. So continue to stay tuned. We still have a lot of great things yet to come. The podcast is still evolving. We have a number of amazing guests still to come in this first season that are really going to blow you away and really challenge you and really inspire you and offer you hope, what we always do. Well, like I promised at the top of the show, we have another amazing interview today. My guest's name is Katie Bryant. She is married. She is a mom of three. She is a hero to many. She is a shining light, and she has such an amazing testimony to talk to you about today. So without further ado, let me get you to my interview with Katie Bryant. Well, Katie Bryant, I'd like to welcome you to the show today. How are you doing? Good. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's totally my honor. I mean, your story is one of despair and hope and encouragement, 
And I think you're going to touch a lot of people's lives with your story. But before we get into all this stuff and where you're at now, tell me where you started from. So you graduate from high school and what are your dreams? What is something you wanted to do with your life? You know, those dreams kind of changed a couple times after high school. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Like they do for many. Um, at first I thought, well, I'm, I wanted to actually be um, a teacher, but I wanted to um, go the route of uh, deaf education. And then I realized while I was in that, um, actually the program I was in got canceled. So then I was like, okay, I need to come up with something else. <laughs> And um, I didn't really want to be a teacher, so then I was thinking about um, becoming a sports agent and looking into sports marketing and sports management and started taking classes to go that route. Um, but to be honest, like at a young age, I was like, I just want to become, you know, someone successful and live on the beach with a yellow lab and didn't really have like... Eventually, I think I wanted to get married, but that's really what I kind of envisioned for my life. So you started off. So that's really specific uh, vision you cast there about <laughs> that dog, that yellow lab. I know. And I don't want to spoil it later on, but do you have a yellow lab now? I don't. I have a Yorkie. <laughs> All right. See how our dreams change a little bit? Yellow lab, then we shrunk it down to a Yorkie. <laughs> so you, yeah. went to, you were going to be a teacher, and then you thought maybe a sports agent. I want to be successful. I want to have that yellow lab. Have you been to a beach with a dog at least? Have we, have we had that dream? I've been to a beach before, but I think I grew up with labs my, so my entire childhood. So that's just like the ideal, you know, dog. <laughs> now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, they shed a lot. and <laughs> They do, yes. I have three kids to take care of, and, you know, <laughs> suddenly that yellow lab doesn't look so appealing. <laughs> <laughs> So after your yellow lab dreams, what was next? So I was, um, you know, I was in school and in college and I was, um, I had just finished um, my freshman year and I was taking a summer course during um, the summer at a local university. And I took the class with a few of my girlfriends and um, I kind of joked with them, you know, oh, there's no cute boys in this class. I don't want to take a summer <laughs> class. <laughs> and um, and all of a sudden, this this guy walked into the classroom, and I thought, well, he's really cute. I may stay. <laughs> and um, I teased my girlfriends. I said, I I need to get to know him, and and they were kind of like laughing. And I said, no, I'm I'm going to marry that man. And they're like, oh, okay, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But um, I introduced myself to him the next time we had class, and we exchanged numbers. We started talking, and we were, that's my husband now. <laughs> so, that's What's your husband's name? David. So you saw David come into this room. You thought there would be no <laughs> cute boys, but then you knew this was my guy. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I just had this, like, strong sense that, like this was the person I was meant to be with and I needed to introduce myself. And um, I don't, I don't know. I, I had always had this kind of like this confidence where I was like, when I wanted something, like I was going to go after it. <laughs> um, and that's important to mention because that, that kind of changed. Um, that kind of changed for me, but I just had this like confidence. Like if you, my parents taught me, like if you want something like work hard, go get it, you know, make it happen. Um, and so, you know, when I saw him, I was like, oh, I don't care if it's, if I don't want to go introduce myself to him, like, I don't want to miss my opportunity. 
<laughs> no, that is great. So at this at this younger age, and I think a lot of people do this growing up, we start off with this, there's no fear of failing. We're right. like, hey, we can do anything. And as yeah. we grow into adults, sometimes that certainly gets sucked out of us by life and jobs and things like that. Absolutely. Um, so you, you saw the man of your dreams who is now your husband. How long <laughs> did it take before you guys got married? So I, it was like, it was fast. I mean, we were both in college and um, he actually went to school that was about two and a half hours away. And um, we were engaged a year later. Um, and then um, we were engaged to be married right after we were going to graduate college. But mm -hmm. um, I actually um, had a really beautiful blessing come my way. And that was our daughter, Shelby. And so that kind of changed things. Yeah. And, um, so we had her and she was, she was eight months at our, at our wedding. So, um, so you had the prettiest flower girl in the world, right? I did the sweetest flower girl ever. <laughs> I love it. One of the, yeah. One of the best gifts, uh, God has given me for sure. So you guys have a baby now you're married. When you start, do you, how many kids do you have now? So we have three kids now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, life for us, um, you know, as we were engaged, talking about our future plans and, you know, graduating school and, you know, the jobs we wanted to pursue and kind of what we wanted to do, all of a sudden, all of that went out the window because now we're like, oh, boy, you know, we have a, <laughs> now we have a wedding and we have a baby. We need to get home, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so everything really um, changed for us. And I feel like that's kind of when um, – I kind of stopped dreaming about what my future was going to be. Like suddenly I was a mom, I was a wife and, you know, and I worked and like these were my, my main focuses and my main roles. Right. Uh, I think it's common. I hear that a lot in talking to a lot of women who are moms and wives where you're basically the story of the giving tree where you keep on giving of all your limbs to you're a stump almost because here you are pouring into all these different people in your lives and you're on empty. Yeah, and, and when you get to that point where you're on empty and you have nothing left to give, that's when things start to spiral downward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely um, can relate to that for sure. To being the stump. Of the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we we were you know we were young. Mm -hmm. We got married young. We started having children young, um, and you know that made life a lot harder and um, changed, kind of changed the path that we thought we were going to be headed down. And, and that was okay because, you know, we were in love mm -hmm. with each other. We were in love with our daughter and, you know, things just looked differently. And, um, but we were, you know, we were just determined to make, make the best out of it. So, um, so we ended up having two more children. <laughs> And they're all less than two years apart from each other. Okay. So, um, a busy house. Yeah. So by the time I was 25 years old, I had three children, um, four and under. Wow. So, yeah. So it was definitely like, you know, far from what I had <laughs> imagined at 18. But, you know, sometimes the best things in life are, I've learned now as an adult, are the ones that we, you know, we don't have planned. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, so 
I, I feel like during that time, like the dreaming and that, you know, kind of that, the vision of the future and mm-hmm. things that I wanted to achieve out of life, just for me as a person, um, you know, faded away. And I, I felt like I tucked those away like that just wasn't something that I was going to be able to do anymore. Right. And um, being a young family, um, you know, we, we struggled a lot financially and I had to work full time and, you know, my husband was working full time and, um, you know, we, we not only worked our full time jobs, but we did odd jobs too, just to really support our young growing family. Right. And, um, you know, that, that was hard because we worked opposite of each other, uh, for, little over nine years because we didn't want to put our children in daycare and we didn't have any family that could help us out with our mm-hmm. kids um, during the day because they all worked. Right. <laughs> so, Everybody's working, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that, that was hard too because we didn't, my husband and I didn't get to see each other except for when we were passing in the driveway. Right. Um, so, you know, that was, that was hard too. So you guys have three kids now. You know, mm-hmm. you have the stress of the finances that I think anybody out there listening to the show can totally agree with. That's a tough thing. That's a big yeah. burden to carry, you know, for two people, even single parents having to do that and to know that you have to work. But you're trying to be honorable to your kids and try right. to keep them out of uh, situations where you can be home with them. And you guys are passing in the driveway. And I'm sure so I, I can feel your story building now. You know, you stop dreaming. You don't have a lot of hope for what's going on in the future. It's just an everyday grind. You're just seeing what's in front of you and not really anything in the future. And you really guys aren't talking. You're not really connecting and really having a chance to support each other. And you're not seeing that man of your dreams anymore. You're barely seeing him at all. So where did that that lead to you? What were you feeling at that point? Um, Well, I think one of, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, married couples get this. Um, One of our biggest issues was, you know, not seeing each other, not communicating. and then like dealing with the financial stress. It was like no matter how much we worked and how hard we worked, we just, it was like we would lay our finances out and every month we were like, how did we make it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, we could never get ahead. We were, um, you know, there were so many times where we didn't eat so that our kids could eat. Um, you know, it was just, it it was really, really tough. It was really, really hard. And thanks to, I mean, we, my husband and I could never ask for help. We just couldn't. Um, and, but our family did see us struggle. And so if they were stopped over and they saw, you know, a couple pieces of fruit on the counter and nothing in the fridge, you know, they would go and grab us groceries or they would go and grab us dinner. And so we were really fortunate that we had, um, you know, family members that helped us out when they could. That's amazing to have some bit of a support system for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really nice because it, I mean, it helped us a lot. Well, I think it's important. Something you just said is not only did you guys not ask for help, that's very common. And not often when people struggle with some of the stories you're going to tell, but we don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's hard to ask and reach out. Um, sometimes it could be being proud. Sometimes it's just you don't know what to ask for or who to ask. Would, would you relate to that? Absolutely. I think for my husband and for I, we just felt like we can't ask for help because that means like we're failing and that we're not, we're not doing a good enough job as parents and we're not doing a good enough job as, 
as you know, human beings and as spouses. And, and right. so we both felt that way very strongly. Um, so, of course, we graciously accept the help when it wasn't asked for. Um, and it was greatly appreciated, but it was also kind of hard to swallow our pride um, and accept the fact that we just couldn't make ends meet on our own. And it's funny that you say that because in any other situation, we're so quick to offer grace to other people, right? I mean, you see somebody struggling with something, oh, you're the first person to bring them some food or step in and give them some support or talk to them, offer a hug, something to show them grace. But it is so hard to show grace to ourselves. Yeah. It's very hard. As a matter of fact, I was reading on um, your website and I, this quote came up and I think this is a perfect time to bring it up. I, you, you write on there, give yourself grace because we are trying to do the best that we can and we have to be okay with that. And mm -hmm. I think that kind of ties into right now talking about that. Just right. to show, as we take a little break in your story, show yourself some grace. It, mm -hmm. It's hard. Like I said, it's so easy to show up for other people when they're in need, but you have to show up for yourself when you're in need too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, like to be okay when you're, when you're truly like giving it your all and doing the best that you can and you literally cannot give it a fingernail more, mm -hmm. like, like it's okay if you're, if you're not getting to where you want to be, uh, you know, it, and especially if you're just, you're trying your very best. And I feel like that's what my husband and I were struggling to do for years is just, you know, trying to do our best and between, you know, both of us having heavy college loans, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think that really killed us. And then, um, you know, everything else that comes along, yeah. <laughs> like, you Things know, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, everything. So, um, so, you know, that, that was really hard. And we, um, both kind of felt like just burnt out because we were, just working as much as we could, plus trying to take care of, you know, raise three little babies. And mm -hmm. um, my husband um, was going back to school um, at night. And so, um, you know, that, that was hard too. Because, um, you know, he was trying to um, pursue his education and, you know, trying to go after what he wanted out of this life and make that happen. And, mm -hmm. Um, so it just felt like there was never enough time and never enough money. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that still today, that same feeling. So as he's doing this and you guys are going through all this together and like you said, really not communicating and not really seeing any kind of vision for a future for yourself. How did this start to compound to you personally? What was going on? So I think, um, for me, there was just a, a lot of things throughout the years that were kind of got me into this space that just wasn't a good space. So I think it was between, you know, raising three little kids, um, not really having any kind of relationship with my husband, um, watching my husband go pursue um, his dreams and, and work his way to go after that, that job and dream that he had. And honestly, like I hate saying it out loud, but having a little bit of resentment that I wasn't able to do that um, during that time. And just, I just felt like the grind, like it was like Groundhog's Day every day. Like it was just the same thing. And there was no downtime for myself. There was, 
there was actually like nothing for myself happening and barely sleeping and just working all the time and um, just a lot of stress. And then adding, you know, all of that and working nonstop and still not, you know, making our finances and, mm -hmm. and having that pressure and stress of can we feed our family this week? Um, so like all those things were going on, but um, I think the other things that were kind of like that were definitely hurting me was after I had um, my daughter, I, I did have postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wasn't in the best space um, through my pregnancy. I had um, a lot of my friends kind of um, disappeared. And so I, I felt alone in that aspect. Um, my husband's, um, not his entire family, but, um, had quite a few family members that did not want me to be a part of his life. Um, you know, they weren't happy when we were dating. They weren't happy when we were engaged. Mm -hmm. and they were most certainly not happy when I was carrying his child. Um, and when I was six months pregnant with my daughter, um, I had one of them come to me and tell me that they had found a doctor that would abort my baby. Oh my and goodness. they would take care of everything for me, but they didn't want me ruining my husband's life. And that's for me, like, really weighed heavily on me um, and really broke my heart because here I was with carrying a baby that you know, I saw the ultrasounds, I heard her heartbeat, she had a name at that point, and I was completely in love with her, and that I had people in, in my husband's life that disliked me that much, they'd be willing to abort my baby, and so that was kind of like the beginning um, of a lot of kind of awful moments that, that we struggled with. Um, and my husband didn't know how to deal with it, so he just didn't deal with it. And that hurt me a lot. Um, that would be tough. Yeah. So it was kind of like a compound of all of these things happening year after year. And, you know, they weren't getting better. I didn't know how to make them better. Um, Sometimes I didn't even feel like I had a minute to breathe to myself. And I was constantly talking to um, my doctors about what was going on because it seemed like the, after the birth of each of my children, things just got worse. Mm -hmm. you know, they kept saying, oh, it's postpartum, you know, take this pill. It's postpartum, try taking this pill. Right. And, um, and I felt like it was just kind of putting a Band-Aid on the situation and it wasn't making things better. Um, I didn't feel like things were improving and I, I actually felt like it was making some areas worse. Um, and so it was just like this endless cycle that just kept happening over and over again. And I just, um, felt like I had reached out to my doctor. I had went and spoke with somebody I had tried gosh, handfuls of different medicines, and it just seemed like nothing was getting better. So it's I, just, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and I just didn't know how to fix it, how to improve it. So during that time that you're feeling these things and people are saying you have postpartum depression, um, did you 
leading up to that, did you even know this was a depression? Were you just thinking, you know, we're down on our luck, we're struggling with finances, we're not really feeding ourselves, maybe not being able to feed our kids, my husband's doing something, I'm kind of resenting him. So did you think, maybe this is this normal stuff that everybody goes through, maybe I'm just kind of stressed out. Did, what did you think that was really going on? Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, um, kind of, I was thinking both of those things, but there are a lot of things happening to me that like, I was just falling apart. I mean, I would just start crying. I was very emotional. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to interact with anybody. Um, I felt like I just kind of like the life was just sucked out of me Mm -hmm. and I didn't like who I was becoming. I didn't like who I was. I just felt like the person I thought I once was was just completely gone. And that really bothered me. Um, I just remember never feeling good, never having the energy, and just, I don't know. So I I feel like it's a hard thing to answer because I feel like there was definitely depression involved. There was definitely anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety is something I've suffered from since I was in elementary school. Um, so I think the combination of those two things and then everything else that was going on in our life too, I think just kind of compounded to where I was. And the reason I asked that question is is because I think a lot of people out there who would be listening to this podcast are going through that, and they don't know it's depression. Um, right. Because when, when you're going through that, and if you guys have heard my story before, you know that I dealt with depression very badly. Um, you kind of feel like it's everyday life. No, so I didn't go through a pregnancy where someone said, hey, you're going through postpartum depression, um, maybe as a key sign of something that was going on. And, you know, I wasn't talking about it with people. So I think people don't know the signs mm-hmm. that these things are going on in your life. Because, again, some of these things can be finances are stressful. Everybody has finances. You might think, okay, it's just that, you know. And, but things progressively don't get any better. And you maybe think, you know, it's the weather. It's, I haven't seen the sun in a while. I need to get outside. Maybe I need some exercise. Because you hear all these different things and you, you're not really sure what's going on. So that's the reason I asked that question maybe – um, a few warning signs for people to keep an eye out for that maybe you were going through and weren't sure what was what that was. And I feel like, you know, it's a good point that you brought that up because I struggled a lot with that. Like, am I really, is this really depression or is it just because there's just a lot of crappy things going on? Mm-hmm. Because I would have like a little glimpse like, oh, it's just because there's just so much going on and I just can't deal with it and handle it all. But then there were other times where I was just so at such a low, low place and nothing could have happened that day. And I just could not pull myself out of that. And during this entire time of all these years, nobody knew any of this was going on except for my husband. I mean, I constantly made sure I always had a smile on my face and that made it so exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, because I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone to know that because I felt like if I let people know what I'm going through, they're going to think I'm a failure. Like I'm failing at being a mom. I'm failing at being a wife. I'm, I'm failing in life. And I already felt like we were failing in life. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't admit that to anybody. So when you're going through depression and you're in it, it is such an isolating feeling. You're, you feel like you're stranded on this 
deserted island by yourself and there's nobody around. Mm-hmm. And you carry that heavy, heavy burden of shame, mm-hmm. even though you shouldn't, um, because you're just sick in your head. Depression and mental illness is, you're just sick like anybody else would be sick. And, but it's so different because um, what they say is mental illness is not a casserole disease. Whereas if you heard that someone had diabetes with their family, you'd be the first one to call or they talk about bringing over a hot dish or bringing over food to somebody to kind of comfort them and help them through it. But you don't get that with mental illness as much. The only thing really mental illness is met with is silence. Mm -hmm. Nobody really wants to talk about it. And when you really need that support and you need someone to have someone to lean on and step in and help you, it's not there because people don't know how to talk about it. Right. Were you in that kind of mindset at that point? Oh, yeah. For a long time. Um, For a long time. I didn't want to share how I was feeling. I didn't want to share what I was thinking. Um, I did carry a lot of shame um, about how I felt, and I felt really poorly about myself. And that's why I kind of mentioned earlier, like, you know, years ago, I was just like that go-getter. Like, I'm going to go after the life I want. I'm going to go after the things I want in this life. And then I felt like life was completely sucked out of me. I didn't even, you know, I was proud of myself that I got showered some days and, you know, and could just make it through the day. So, um, so that was hard. Like we just, just not even recognizing the person I was and, and really struggling with that internally. So dealing with this depression and everything that's going on, how does this lead this to a tipping point for you? Um, honestly, I would say it was about the the worst part of it was about a good a good year of feeling like I don't know how I'm going to spend the rest of my life feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And just honestly, like the best way I could explain it was like being trapped inside my own hell. And I didn't know how to mm-hmm. get out of it. I didn't know how to make things better because, you know, most of the doctors were like, oh, well, it's in, an imbalance. Like, once we balance you out, you'll feel better. And, you know, they would try all these different medications and, like, nothing was helping me feel better. And then I was, like, frustrated because I thought, okay, well, what if it's not an imbalance, you know, if, not, if nothing's fixing what's going on and just feeling like I – you know, tried the, the, all the prescription medicines they were trying to put me on. I went and talked to somebody, you know, I saw the counselor and, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw a psychiatrist and it just felt like I was doing everything possible and nothing was working. And it just got to the point every day I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep living my life feeling like this. I was ashamed of who who I had become. I, I wasn't proud of the example I was setting as a mom. I just felt completely trapped in this mind and body. I no longer recognized and I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, day in and day out, I was just, I felt even more frustrated and it just felt like things were never going to get better. And I just, remember thinking, gosh, my family would be so much better without me. I mean, my husband just wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. He wouldn't have to deal with, you know, the outside things we were dealing with. My kids wouldn't have to deal with, with me. Um, 
And I just remember thinking, like, everybody would just be so much better without me. And I remember thinking, I just don't want to live my life feeling like this anymore. Like, if this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life, like, I can't, I can't do this. Right. And so um, that's when I really started to think, like, okay, um, how am I going to make it stop? And at that point, I felt like, I personally felt like I had done everything out there that I had knew to do right. to help. And at this point, I just started thinking about how I could end my life. And that made me feel even worse and more shameful because I, I didn't believe in suicide. Right. Um, it made me feel sick to my stomach. Um, I, my mom always told us like, always growing up, like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, if you take your own life, like you'll go to hell. And so I always thought of that, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. You know, all these thoughts would go through my head, but I just felt like that was my only option left after years of dealing with this. And so I had everything planned out. I knew that I was gonna, there was this one part, um, gosh, um, there was this one part on the way to work. And there was just a gap um, where there was a bridge that started. And I knew if I could time it right, get my car to go through there, my car would go over and that would end it all. And every day for over a week, I would just time it, you know, like knowing when I would have to pull off to make it happen. And then I'd go to work. And the next day I'd do it again. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, today is going to be the day I do it. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly you know, the timing of it, how I was going to make it happen. And, um, I, you know, it was just like in my head, like that's what I was going to do. And I was going to be better off. My family was going to be better off. And so, um, I got ready for work and, um, my husband was going to be home any minute and I would leave and he would watch our three kids. And before I was about to leave, um, my daughter actually came into my bedroom first and it wasn't abnormal for them. Not they, you know, a lot of times they didn't want me to go to work. Right. <laughs> you know, that wasn't abnormal. Um, but my daughter had come into the room and she just started begging me not to go. And she was holding on to me and she started crying. I really don't want you to go. Please don't go mommy. And she was not a crier. Um, she's still not a crier. <laughs> a crier at 16 years old. I admire that about her because I'm an emotional person. That's a miracle um, in itself. Having a 16 year old girl who doesn't cry often. I have a 14 year old daughter. So that, right. that alone is a miracle in that story right at that point. Right. And, um, and then my other two kids came in and um, all I could think about was maybe this is God just telling me, hold on, hold on. There's hope. Like, don't you dare give up on yourself. And um, my husband came in and I told him, you know, um, how bad things had gotten and what I was about to do. And he was really taken back. Um, he knew things were bad, but he didn't know they were that bad. And 
it was really hard for me to say that out loud and to admit that. Um, there was a lot of shame in that for sure. Um, so I called my doctor and I called my mom and um, my mom brought me to the hospital where, um, you know, they spent hours evaluating me and then they admitted me for a week. And um, so when you say you were admitted for a week, what does that mean? I was admitted um, into the psych ward at one of the hospitals. And, you know, that was really hard. They um, strip you of everything. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, I can't let my kids know that I'm here. You know, um, I didn't want anyone to know that I was there. You know, my friends, family, nobody. Um, That that was a really low point in my life. and it, it, it was hard. It was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't want anyone to know. And like, you're in there and there's people that are, are similar to you in your circumstances, but then there's people that are not. And, and you know, that have gotten a lot further off, off the scale. And you just feel like, um, you feel like, how, how did I end up here? Right. And I'm, I'm saying that as a person who's been there, Yeah. Um, if you've not heard my podcast or heard my story for the very first episode of Unwritten Life, go back and listen to it. But I just want to give you a breather here for a second to take a chance to breathe. It is um, what led up to all of this for you is when people get to this point, you're hopeless. There is zero hope left in your heart, in your life, even though you're surrounded by your loving kids and for me, it was my loving wife. I still felt I was so alone that I didn't have any other choices. And I could hear it in your story as you're saying this. You're planning these things out because the world would be better off without you. Your family would be better off without you. And you don't have any sense of hope left at all. And then when you finally, and I think it was really important what you said, when you finally had to verbalize what was going on to your husband, um, it, it comes out with such shame. You can't even barely say it. And I, I can remember being where I was when I had to say that. And it makes it so real when you say it out loud. Because before leading up to any of these things, you're all you're doing is talking to yourself in your head nonstop. Yeah. And um, that it's just it's a scary thing to finally kind of ask for help. And then it's not like everything's magically better because now you're in a new dimension, your next step of what you said is your own personal hell, you know, until you're trying to figure out what's next. Like I finally asked for help, but I still feel horrible. I don't feel any better. Right. So you're, so here you are in this hospital. You don't want anybody to see you. You don't want your kids to know what, what you're going through. What happened next? So, um, I spent, um, you know, and it's kind of like a, a blur. There's like things that I remember, things I don't, I know, I was taken off of my medication and then I was put on a lot of different medications. Um, And, you know, I, when I finally got released, you know, they told me you're going to see a counselor so many times, you're going to see a psychiatrist so many times a week and a month. And I just left there with a lot of medication. And I remember um, my mom actually picked me up to bring me home and I, just broke down and I said to her, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm alive, but 
how am I going to go home and take care of my kids and go to work and be a wife when I feel like this? Mm-hmm. And so I was just, I was heavily medicated and it was like, this wasn't fixing my problems. It was just putting a huge bandaid on it. So you're home, you're finally home now. You're trying to deal, you're on medication. You're trying to feel something. So what happened in your life at that point? What were you doing just to feel or to get through the day? Um, so now it's like, um, now I've got all this shame that I'm carrying and it just feels like a thousand pounds <laughs> right? because I don't want anyone to know what if people find out, what are they going to think about me? All these thoughts are going through my mind. I feel like I can barely function because of all the medication I'm on, but I still mm-hmm. got to take care of my three kids and take care of a house and go to work. And I start turning to food and I start turning to like sweets, a lot of sugar, Mm -hmm. ice cream and I'm eating like a lot of it and um or alcohol because it's the only thing that's actually making me feel something Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and good um so I I basically kind of self-medicate myself in that way um and you know I'm seeing the psychiatrist I'm seeing a counselor my husband's going with me um and I just feel like they're still playing with my medicines. They're still taking me off of this, putting me on this. Try this. This is new. Um, see how you do on this. And I just feel like I'm this guinea pig. Right. And this goes on for about, um, this goes on for six years. And it's like a long six years. And that entire time I'm thinking, I feel complete shame. I um, feel like now I went from living my life one way and now I'm living my life like this and it doesn't feel any better. And I'm not proud of who I am. I'm not Um, feeling good about myself and I'm just feeling really lost in this life. So now that you're six years removed, things really haven't got any better. Um, except that now everybody knows about your shame, even though it's not shame, you know, you had a mental illness and you were just sick. Did, did you ever start to see any kind of light? Wouldn't things start to look any better for you at all? Just a glimmer of hope. So, um, I was always, so as, because I'm using the food and the ice cream and the wine, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've kind of created these unhealthy habits, you know, now comes the weight gain. So now like, Internally, I wasn't proud of who I am, and now physically, I'm not proud of who I am, and so that's weighing on me, and so I'm trying, like, I'm online, I'm reading magazines, I'm watching Dr. Oz, and I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the quick fix, you Mm -hmm. know, like, because now I have it in my head, like, if I just lose weight, I'll feel so much better, everything will be better. Right. But the, the problem, the thing that was wrong with that thought was... I, before I went into the hospital, I wasn't heavy. After each of my children, I lost my weight. I, w- mm-hmm. I was healthy. I, you know, I exercised. Um, so, um, you know, when I think back to that thought now, I thought, well, you know, I used to be a size, you know, really tiny and had a, you know, a, a healthy figure. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that didn't change things about how I felt, you know. 
So, um, so yeah, so I started like just looking for the next quick fix and trying everything that was out there. And, um, you know, the green coffee bean <laughs> pill that Dr. Oz swore by and proved on his TV show they worked. Um, you know, I, I started and failed many times um, with Weight Watchers. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things that I did. And I just couldn't find anything that, you know, I could stick to. And so that was weighing on me. And then um, I ended up, my son, my youngest son was diagnosed with some food allergies. So I was researching online about um, his allergies. And I kept coming across this term clean eating. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is what is clean eating? Like, what is this? And then I came across this blog and it happened to be about this mom who had um, talked about her personal struggles and had two kids and had this great transformation. And she was really relatable to me. And so I'm like, I need to contact this woman. I don't know what it is that she did, but I need to contact this woman. Mm -hmm. So I contacted her and she said, you know, basically what I do is I, um, I work out, I eat clean and um, I'm part of this accountability group and I'm just surrounded by really positive, encouraging um, people. And um, that's what like these tools and the supports what has helped me get to where I am now and just having a coach hold me accountable and support me. And I'm like, I would love to be a part of that. I would love to have like, you know, some positive people in my life because Mm -hmm. I didn't have any too many positive people in my life and to be surrounded by an encouraging community. I'm like, that sounds amazing. And, um, I'm like, well, working at home, that would be like doable for me because I've got three kids and I had a gym membership, but every time I took my kids, they would cry and I'd spend more time peeking through the daycare window than I would <laughs> working out. Getting any work done. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was just a wash. Um, but, um, so I, I did, I signed up and I joined, um, I, I started working with her and I joined this accountability group and I started with just a short cardio workout and um, I don't know, getting those endorphins flowing and feeling my body with good mm-hmm. nutrition and being surrounded by this positive, supportive, encouraging community, like something started to change in me. I started just to feel happiness that I hadn't felt in a while. It felt good, really good to do something for myself. Um, And as I started to get the weight off, it was a really slow process for me. But Mm -hmm. as I started to get the weight off and I started to feel better, I started talking to my doctor and I said, you know, I'd really like to start getting off of some of these medications. And um, my doctor said, well, with you incorporating this healthier lifestyle, I think that you're strong enough to give this a try. And that felt so empowering that there was like hope, you know? Right. So with the, what I want to ask you about with all the medications is, you know, I know they try to give us different medications and they put us on and they do help certain things, but what things people don't talk about are the side effects of a lot of these pills and things that even cause even worse things. Um, What kind of side effects did you have, if any, with these pills that were weighing on your life? Well, it was interesting because at one point when I was talking to my doctor, you know, she um, she had said, I think with all the medication you were on, it's probably what increased you to have like these suicidal thoughts and kind of made things worse for you. Um, Because I kept saying to her, like, this is just like, so like, that's not me. Like, 
Katie would never think these things. Katie would never want to do these things. Like she would never want to give up on herself. And, and here I was, you know, just this person I no longer recognized and, you know, feeling really frustrated about that. And so there was, yeah, there was definitely side effects. There was that, there was the, the weight gain. I definitely, um, I had the weight gain on the medications and it also, I think is what made it a little bit hard in the beginning for me to get it off. Um, because my body was like holding on to the weight for dear life. (laughs) It did not want to leave. It had such a nice (laughs) home. It was so warm and comfortable there. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, but I will, I will say, um, I struggled even more, um, especially with one of them getting off of them. The one of them that I was on, I was on a good amount. And so I do want to say, I know a lot of people try getting off medication on their own. They say, don't do that. And I highly recommend that you don't do that and that you let people know that you're tapering off and work with your doctor because you don't know the side effects that you're going to have. And um, with one of them, um, it was, it was absolutely horrible. Um, it was about a good three weeks. I didn't leave the house. Um, I actually kept having zaps in my head, and it felt like I was actually being electrocuted. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, and when I talked to my doctor, he, she said this is actually a nor- – or he said, sorry, it's actually a normal side effect when you're getting off this medication. That is absolutely horrible. Which scared, Yeah, which scared me because I said to my husband, my gosh, something's not right. And I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he said, what? And I go, it feels like I'm getting electrocuted. It was like a really loud in my, in my head. And, um, and the doc, and my doctor said, no, he said, this medicine is actually compared. The side effects of getting off of it is actually compared to a drug addict getting off of heroin or cocaine. That is absolutely crazy to think of that. You're put on these medications to help you. And then right. if you ever try to get off of them, it's almost impossible. Right. So now I'm like at a crossroad because as I'm talking to him, I said, how long do you think this is going to go on? And he said, I don't know. It could last a few weeks. But he said, you know, there's some cases that it have gone three, six months. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't. I can't go that long. Mm-hmm. I can't feel like this that long, you know. And um Thank God it didn't last that long for me, and it only lasts their three weeks. But um, I just remember, like, can somebody just give me sleeping medicine for three weeks? <laughs> because I just wanted it to be over with. It was every day felt like an eternity. It was really difficult getting off of it. So after you did get off of it, and, and now you're also working out, and you're mm-hmm. trying to do the clean eating, where was mm-hmm. that leading you to? I was just, each week that passed, I was like, gosh, I am like feeling happy. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I have energy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I once did long ago. And it's just like giving me these glimpses of hope again that I hadn't had in so long. And even if they were just like really small glimpses, I wanted more of it. And so I was like, if, if eating healthy and working out every day and surrounding myself with positive, encouraging people is going to help me, 
you know, create this, this life that I, I would like to get a better taste of, then I'm just going to keep showing up because I want it. I want it more of that in my life. Um, and then, then personal development was introduced to me and that was like even more of a game changer for me because now I'm feeling my mind with these amazing things that it needs to hear. Yeah. <laughs> And that just be, starts to become a game changer where I'm like, I need this in my life every single day, you know, and absolutely kind of snowballs. And I, and now it's like, these things are becoming habits because they're truly making a difference in my life. And I'm starting to feel for the first time in a long time, really hopeful about being able to live the life I want to live. I was craving to live for so long, you know? So now that you're into the clean eating, you're feeling good, you're around people who are positive, you're pouring positive things into your mind and feeling good. And I think what was important, I wanted to go back just a little bit, when you got into this community, this online community or support group with people and other women and positive people, um, it must have felt good because you didn't have to do anything for anybody else. Because right now you're a mom and a wife and you work and you have to do things for everybody else. And now you had the opportunity to do something for yourself. That must have felt amazing. It felt so good. It felt so good. Um, honestly, it just opened my eyes to thinking, Katie, what the heck? <laughs> why haven't you been, why didn't you do this so long ago? You know, and it started to make me realize, I don't know. I used to always think like, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Like I have all these responsibilities and all these duties. I'm no longer a priority anymore. Right. Like, Whatever I want, forget about it. It's just not going to happen anymore. And incorporating all this into my life was opening my eyes, thinking, oh, my gosh, making myself a priority is making me a better mom, a better wife. I've, I'm feeling better about myself. Like, this needs to happen. Right. <laughs> and, and people need to know about this. <laughs> you know. And I finally felt like, I was actually getting the real life tools I needed in my life to start turning things around and getting control and making things better. Um, so, you know, I'm still on um, one medication today and I'm on the lowest dose that I can be on, but it's better than being on a handful of medicines that I was on before. Right. Um, and honestly, at this point, if I'm on it for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that because mm -hmm. maybe I, there is a part of me that still, you know, needs to be balanced out. Um, but I feel like I'm okay. And, and now that I'm at this point in my life where I just feel so much stronger mentally, emotionally, physically, um, you know, I can actually just kind of look at everything um a lot differently i no longer feel shame about what i went through i feel like i definitely and i remember thinking this for a long time i remember thinking like why you know why am i going through all this why is all this happening like god you won't like you don't want me to live my life like this do you you know like right. and and you know, questioning that and, and thinking that and feeling that. And I remember thinking like, yeah, like this has to be happening for, for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now being at the point that I'm at now, now it's like, I see the whole picture now. I'm like, this all did happen for a reason. Like, yes, 
those were the most hardest, difficult times of my life. And yes, I still have hard, difficult times. I mean, I'm a human being. <laughs> right. You're still a mom. Right. No wife. <laughs> right. I still have struggles. You know, those don't go away. But I look at it now and think, I went through all of that for a reason. And now, now I know why. And, you know, I don't feel that shame or guilt anymore. I mean, a lot of people said a lot of things. And I don't know if they thought that they were making things better or, or what. But, you know, a lot of people have said to me, well, you know, why would you ever get to that point? I mean, you have a husband that loves you. You have three healthy, beautiful children. You have a job. You have a home. Like, you have everything going for you, and you were about to take your life. Like, that's just, like, ridiculous, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that people need to understand is that, like, yes, I, I knew I had all those blessings and wonderful things in my life. Um, and I appreciated all those amazing things in my life. But unfortunately, like when you're suffering through a mental illness and depression. <sighs> right. You, you don't see it. Yeah. And I think right here would be a good point to think, talk to people about is giving people who are outside, maybe seeing a family member go through this or you have a friend who's going through this, giving them the permission to talk about it with you. We want someone to reach out to us because in that, dark, dark place that we're in, we're not going to ask for any help. We don't even know really how to ask for the help or what help we need. And I think as I think things are better now these days with the conversation with mental illness. It's a little bit better than what it was even nine years ago. And um, it's just trying to give people the right language to talk about it. And just to be open about it. It's like, it, it, don't be scared. It, you're not a bad person. You right. don't have to be shameful you still have value even though you're sick and, right. and that's okay. And it's so hard to come across with that. Um, right. what you're would not be, alone. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're not alone. And I remember feeling so alone and I do remember thinking like people are going to think I'm crazy that like I did have all these amazing things in my life. And part of, part of that is what made me feel shameful and guilty that I, I had, things that I could focus on that were going good in my life. But when you're in such a low place, the only thing you can focus on is all the negative things going on in your life. Right. You know, and, um, and the negative people you're surrounding yourself with. And, and it's just like, you know, misery loves company, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, um, but I did remember feeling alone. I did remember feeling really shameful and I didn't want to share any of the things I was thinking about or going through and you know and it is exhausting hiding behind a smile and acting like your life is just happy and perfect and amazing even though you want it to be happy and perfect and amazing right. <laughs> you want those things right right um but it's exhausting to to just act like everything is perfectly okay and um and I think that we need to give ourselves permission that it's okay if things aren't perfect and it's okay if you know we're struggling and it's okay to ask for help it doesn't mean that you're weak it doesn't mean that you're not doing a good enough job mm -hmm. it just means you need help and i think about all the people that have asked me for help in their life and i i don't judge them i'm like i'd love to help you sure of course right you know, but I never asked for help because I was afraid of what people would think and 
that's just silly. Now that I'm like on the side of things, I look back and think, you know, you should have asked for the help because you needed it and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think for people who are going through any kind of struggle really is that once you can get to a point where you do have hope through it or there's a solution to it or you've gleaned something that's going to help you or other people, there is freedom on the other side of that struggle. And as you well said it, that God didn't put you here and you're asking him just to suffer. We're not just put here to suffer. God will put things in our life, obstacles, and they are going to be tough. They're not going to be easy and they're going to be hard and you're going to be, feel like there's no hope, but Mm -hmm. he's there to help us get through those struggles and learn from them. So we can be here on this podcast today, sharing that with other people, letting them know that there's the freedom on the other side of that. And you sitting here with so much courage and in vulnerability and weakness, everything coming through and telling your story is going to touch people's lives. So you're a difference maker and you should be really proud of yourself, Katie. You've, you. you've come a long way and you have so much value to add to your family, to the world, to anybody listening to this podcast. And you should be really proud of that. I appreciate you saying that. And I would like to say the same thing about you for you having the courage to host this podcast and to share your story and to give others the encouragement and hope and, and letting other people share their stories. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to talk to two different people here. If you were talking to just moms and women and wives, what advice would you give to them? Specifically moms, women, and wives. Oh my gosh. The best thing you can do for yourself and for your children and for your spouse is to take good care of yourself, um, to make yourself a priority like you do your husband and your kids, and ask for help. You know, don't, mm-hmm. I, I, um, if you want to get a workout in, but you just can't because you need help with your kids, ask somebody to watch your kids for 30 minutes. Um, you know, or ask, you know, you're, if you have older kids, ask them to help out and pitch out a little bit more. I, I learned that by kind of speaking and asking for help, you know, because like my husband always says, you have to communicate with me. You have to tell me what you want. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> Every husband says that, Katie, just so you know. Please tell me what you're thinking, please. <laughs> and he, but he's right because for so many years, I just expected him or assumed he knew and he didn't. And so now when I need his help, I ask for it and I communicate that. And, and that has made a world of, of a difference in our relationship. So I think as women, it's so easy. And I don't, I don't want to say it's not easy for men. Um, but so easy to put ourselves on the back burner. Maybe some more pressure on men too in that aspect because you guys are always known as the breadwinner, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but it's so easy for us to put ourselves on that back burner and um, and just not even give ourselves a second thought. I watched my mom do that my entire life. Um, she never did anything for herself and she didn't ever ask for help. And so I just assumed that's what I needed to do now too. And now I'm telling my mom, you better ask for help and you better be good <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> well, see, you've come full circle. And she says, I know. I know. You're helping your mom. (laughs) Yeah. But, I, I, yeah, we do. We need to make ourselves a priority and not feel guilty about it at all. So I think that is great advice 
for women and moms and wives. So now I'm going to have you speak to everybody. And this is putting you on the spot, but what kind of, what's one bit of encouragement and hope that you can share with people just going through anything? Um, I truly believe that all the bad and all the good, like everything we go through, we're meant to go through for a reason. And I know in this day and age, we want results fast. We want things to change quickly. And one thing that my journey has taught me is to have the patience, hang on to the hope, and to never give up, no matter how long it takes. And, you know, I think about coming out of the hospital and for six years being heavily medicated. And for six years, I prayed the exact same prayer every day. And that would, that God would help use me in some way to help other people. And now I sit here on this podcast and, and it kind of feels like things have come in full circle. And I just want people to know that, you know, we go through certain things in life for a reason. We don't understand always at the time why, um, but it's for a reason. And we're so much stronger than we allow ourselves to believe that we are. And there is always hope, always. I absolutely love that. And you're right. You have come full circle. I mean, you're doing it. You're here on this podcast and you're doing it in your everyday life and you're helping people come through it on the other end. And that is a shining example. And like I said, you should be very proud of that. And I, I think that you're going to continue to do great things by sharing your story and just being you and just showing up every day and just realizing I have value. And it's such a good example for your family and for people around you. So thank you so much for being on the show today, first of all. But if people hear your story and they want to connect with you, how can they connect with you, Katie? Um, they can find me at FreshFitKate on Instagram. I have a website. It's also called FreshFitKate. <laughs> and then um, I'm on Facebook um, under Katie Bryant. Okay, so what we can do is I can have all your links. I'll put those in the show notes so people can easily just click on them, okay. go to your website, and connect with you. Because I think people are going to definitely want to talk to you and be like, get your autograph. You're going to be a superstar after this. <laughs> obviously this podcast is the most popular podcast out there. Um, <laughs> that's what we're hoping for because we want, truthfully, we want the stories of everybody, including yours to go out and touch people's lives, give them hope, encouragement, and optimism. And that's all we need right now in everyday life. So Katie, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show today and continue to be a blessing to people around you. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, thank you so much, Katie Bryant, for joining us today. It was really our pleasure to have you on. You really could feel that emotion, right? If you guys are listening right now and saying, oh my gosh, she really spoke from the heart, not just from the heart, but from like the gut, like that actual feeling, that darkness that she conveyed that she went through. But yet here she is on the other side. Um, and having that freedom and success away from that darkness and that depression. And I think that this speaks so much of her character. And you can hear it in her voice. She has a light about her. You can feel the light that shines within her coming out as she speaks um, about the hope she has and the things that she's been through. But it's something that um, I wanted to tap into for our listeners today. And you heard Katie almost talking about not living to her potential not living the dreams that she once had growing up, the dreams that were kind of put on hold, the fire that was put out. And it really made me think about this poem. Um, I was listening to a show called The Ken Coleman Show, which if you guys have never heard Ken Coleman, 
He's the host of the Entre Leadership Podcast for the Dave Ramsey Solutions Corporation. And he has his own show on Sirius XM. And his name is Ken Coleman, The Ken Coleman Show. And his show is all about trying to help people find their purpose in life, what they're supposed to do and how to get there to do it. And a couple weeks ago, I was listening to his podcast and he shared this poem. And the poem really hit me hard and it really made me think about um, how we live our lives and it really made me think about this interview with Katie Bryant. And I wanted to share the poem with you today. It is by a gentleman named Khalil Gibran and it's about living a half-life. So just bear with me for a moment as I read this to you and let it resonate with you as you hear it and afterwards. Do not love half-lovers. Do not entertain half-friends. Do not indulge in works of the half-talented. Do not live half a life, and do not die half a death. If you choose silence, then be silent. When you speak, do so until you are finished. Do not silence yourself to say something. Do not speak to be silent. Do not accept half a solution. Do not believe half truths. Do not dream half a dream. Do not fantasize about half hopes. Half a drink will not quench your thirst. Half a meal will not satisfy your hunger. Half the way will get you nowhere. Half an idea will bear you no results. Your other half is not the one you love. It is you in another time yet in the same space. It is you when you are not. Half a life is a life you didn't live. A word you have not said. A smile you postponed. A love you have not had. A friendship you did not know. To reach and not arrive. Work and not work. Attend only to be absent. What makes you a stranger to them closest to you, and they strangers to you? The half is a mere moment of inability. But you are able, for you are not a half being. You are a whole that exists to have a life, not half a life. Guys, ladies, how does that hit you? Where you're at right now in your life. When I heard that, that hit home. I was like, oh my gosh. How many of us are out there living at half life? How many? Where are you at in that life? Are you living to your fullest potential? Has the fire in your life been put out by depression, by life events, by a marriage, by a job? Do not live that half-life. Like he said at the end, you are a whole that exists to live a life, not half a life. I really want to challenge you guys today, no, no matter where you are, no matter what you are going through, you have that life to live. And do not rob people of your light because of lies that you've had told to you, lies that you have believed. You want to live that whole life, and I want that for you too. Such an amazing poem. I'm going to include that in the show notes. Um, and like I said, like that really just resonated with me, especially hearing Katie's story, talking about how she at some point lived that half-life and really just wanted more. And now she is living more. She's doing so awesome. Um, something we talked about a lot today was mental health awareness. And you know, I'm very passionate about it. I've talked about it so often. And I want people to know that you're not alone and that we talk about it all the time. Reach out to your family, reach out to your spouse. Um, but some people may not have that. Some people may have no one to reach out to. And for people like that who are thinking the darkest things about themselves in those darkest moments, I want you to know that you're not alone and that taking your life is not an answer. And you can call at any time the National Suicide Awareness Hotline. I'm gonna put this in the show notes, but I also wanna say it here again. It is 
273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. You are not alone. There is hope for you. And if you don't have someone to reach out to, call that number. Talk to them. Let them comfort you. Let them get you some help. Guys, this has been a great episode. And if you are liking the podcast or even loving the podcast, which is even better, the best compliment to me, to Katie, to everyone else who's been on my show is to share the podcast. Get this message of hope out in front of other people. And the way we can do that is by subscribing on iTunes and leaving a written review and then leaving a rating. And I've told you my story and what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to get it in the new and noteworthy section so more people can get these stories told to them and heard and feel that hope. And I hope you can hear that excitement from my heart. I really, really want this to happen. And I get I said it once before. I'll say it again. It is not for me. I don't care if my name is popular. I want everybody who is on my podcast to be super popular so people come to them to get hope, hope, hope. Um, you can also come to the unwrittenlifepodcast.com to leave your story. I've mentioned it before. If you do not want to be on the podcast, but you feel like you have a story to tell that will impact someone's life, go there on the contact form, leave your story, email me, and then I can read your story on the air. Also, you can find me at Unwritten Life Podcast on Facebook. It is a group that you can join. That's where the conversation is always going on. That's where we're talking about everything coming up for the new week and talking about the people who have been on as well. And then you can also find me on Instagram at the Unwritten Life Podcast. That's where you're going to share pictures of people who have been on the show and anything podcast related. So we've come to the end of another episode, but this is not the end of your story by any stretch. Remember, you matter. You can make a difference, and your story is still unwritten.